Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McKnight. Hello, I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about another tenancy tribunal case. And I tell you what, this is so fascinating. If you go on the tenancy tribunal website, you can download the judgments of every tenancy tribunal case. And I tell you what, it is like looking into people's personal lives. There should be more reality TV shows <laughs> about this because there are so many different interesting issues. Now, the one we want to talk about today comes from a case in Dunedin. And it's really interesting because it illustrates a lot of the things we talk about on the show about why you want to use a property manager and what can actually go wrong within a tenancy. Now, this is based on a property that was rented out for eight months in Cavisham, which is in Dunedin, a relatively lower socioeconomic area, if we can say that. There's a lot more people in the $15,000 to $25,000 income bracket. The median rent there is $250, and it is one of those older suburbs where a larger proportion of people rent compared to the rest of Dunedin City. And what we've had here is a series of breakdowns between the tenant and the landlord, and there have been multiple cases with the Tenancy Tribunal. And so we'll kind of go through these so that you can understand what's gone on here and some of the issues that can go on. So the first thing is that the landlord, and this is the main one, the landlord had alleged that more people were living in the property than were allowed on the tenancy agreement. So the landlord had allowed only one person on the tenancy agreement. And partway through this tenancy, the tenant had moved in their partner. So there were two people on it. And the landlord took exception from the ruling. It seems like the partner and the landlord didn't get on that well. And so some damages were awarded, some exemplary damages. And the landlord ended up getting $250 in exemplary damages from the tenant. And this leads on, and there's much more to come, which we're going to get into. But I just want to take away the two key learnings from here. First of all, exemplary damages are not the same as... Compensation. That's the word that I was looking for, thank you. Not the same as compensation. So they're not there to compensate the landlord to say, well, actually, there were two people, so maybe you should have charged a higher rent. It is only there to deter people from unlawfully breaking their tenancy agreements in the future. And this really comes back to the fact that even though the landlord in this case was morally right, it was a hollow victory. Well, now, yeah, I mean, they got maybe you know a week's more rent. It's not worth the hassle. No, it was $250. They were right, but they're not compensated for it. It almost doesn't matter that you were right because it only serves to educate future tenants or deter them from doing what they've done here, which is the really interesting thing. Andrew, what else are you reading into this? So there was another comment. This is a real breakdown in relationship is the main thing that I took from this. The tenant and the landlord seem to be at odds the whole time and they're, they're having little squabbles over lots of things. So there was a comment in here about the landlord spending $1,300 investigating moisture and dampness in the property. And in part, it's because the tenant had the mattress on the floor and so the, the landlord said, that's the cause of this. And certainly, you know, we've had tenants that we've worked with where, particularly in newer properties, you might have a lot of condensation because buildings are now so airtight that if you don't open up the window, that little crack and if you don't run the fans and stuff like that, like that in the bathroom, you do tend to get a little bit of this kind of thing. In this property, I'd imagine it was maybe the other way and maybe it was just a cold old damp house. And so the landlord had to spend all this money, $1,300, significantly more than the 250 that got awarded in damages, and they probably did so begrudgingly and then, of course, tried to claim against the tenant but wasn't awarded successfully on that because you know there was no way of proving that the bed or the mattress being on the floor was the cause of that. And similarly, there are other things. The landlord attempted to claim on the new lock 
books that they'd put on. So the landlord had claimed that the tenant hadn't returned the keys. Now, it was found in evidence that actually the tenant had returned the keys. Now, the landlord had already gone and replaced all the locks and wanted to claim on that. But because that was kind of the landlord's own decision to be able to do that, given the, the keys were already returned, and so they weren't awarded damages. And all the landlord was claiming about $6,000. They were awarded 25% of that, so $1,280. And about $1,000 of that was for cleaning, so things like the curtains and the carpets. And what that really came down to was the tenant had a pet there, it was a cat, which had left hair on the curtains. And so the person adjudicating in this instance thought that was pretty fair and so awarded them some money for that sort of cleaning. Yeah, but a small amount compared to what the claim was, and the bulk of it was just because the tenant was messy by the looks of things. There was actually another comment about the smoke alarms. So actually something that I didn't realise, that the landlord had claimed that the tenant had maintained the batteries and the smoke alarms, and it's the tenant's responsibility. Did you say that that's changed now? You do it. No, no, no. So the batteries at a smoke alarm, as well as the light bulbs within a property, that's the tenant's yeah, responsibility. I knew light bulbs, but I didn't realise the batteries. Learn something new every day spending my life with you, Ed. But the tenant had a video showing that the smoke alarms were working. So the tenant actually went to the trouble of taking a video of themselves pushing the uh, smoke alarm test button and showing that they're functional. Amazing. And quite a lot of hassle for a very small win. Well, I think that's actually the real learning here is that when you get into a very litigious relationship between the tenant and the landlord, everything has to be documented. You find yourself squabbling about some very minor things when actually are you in this to be a landlord or are you in this to be an investor? And it is our position on the show that you should always use a property manager because although this person spent $1,300 investigating moisture over an eight-month period, that's what they would have spent anyway on professional property management. And as an investor, that allows you to focus on growing your portfolio rather than dealing with a tenant. Often, they will not be a problem tenant. Often, you're not going to have issues. But sometimes you do, and that's when you want to use a professional property manager. In the last case study we did where there were issues, they did have a property manager and it was Barford and Thompson who were managing this whole process for them but I'm sure the investor would have appreciated that. And actually another note here was that there is a difference between careless and intentional damage. So if a tenant is careless and damages the property, that is quite different from if they actually intentionally damage the property and may determine how you're awarded compensation as a result. And I have spoken previously about landlord's insurance. So things like malicious damage isn't covered under a normal policy. So if a tenant actually, you know, just goes crazy and starts punching holes in the walls, that might not be something that you can actually claim for under your insurance policy if it's a standard insurance policy. So a lot of my investors will go as far as having landlord's insurance that covers them for those added risks like malicious damage and another one's actually gradual damage. So where that applies is if, let's say, a tenant has a washing machine that leaks and over a period of, say, 12 months in a lease, there's water damaging the floor underneath. Now, that's not something that would be covered under a normal insurance policy either and might be hard to claim. So if you actually have the landlord's policy, that would cover that. Now, the other interesting thing that when a tenant has caused some careless damage, which was in this case, in fact, the landlord had applied for for six areas of careless or intentional damage, and they were awarded for two out of six of these. In particular, they were awarded $178.62 for the replacement of a laundry cupboard and shelf. And you might think, gosh, Ed, that is awfully specific, $178.62. Well, the reason behind this is that the landlord was not awarded the replacement cost of the laundry shelf and cupboard. Instead, they were awarded the cost of replacement 
but minus any depreciation. So what the laundry shelf was actually worth at that time. And this is really important to note, is that if you go to the tenancy tribunal and you have an issue, and say that you've spent, let's just go for something, let's say it was a TV and it was $1,000 because you'd furnished the place and now it's been a couple of years, now the TV's only worth $500. Now it's going to cost you $1,000 to replace the TV, but in this case you would only be awarded the $500, which is what the TV is worth, so the replacement cost minus the depreciation. Now that's really important to know, and I know this is a bit of a bad example because you might say, Ed, just go and trade me and get a TV, but you can't do that if it's a laundry cupboard shelf. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're going to have to go to minor tenant and actually replace it. So the thing here is that landlords, you're going to have to pay the replacement cost of whatever it happens to be. And that might be $300 for this person with their laundry shelf, but they're only getting $180 from the tenant because there was about $120 of depreciation in there, for instance, which is the fair wear and tear of that. So they're not placing the full replacement cost on the tenant. So you actually have to wear some of that betterment in that case as a landlord. And another point that I want to make here is there seems to be a lot of communication between the owner and the tenant. There seems to be more communication with them in this eight-month lease than I have with any of my tenants ever. And this just goes to using a professional. And and my guess is that the owner's house might be nearby and there might be a bit of conflict because obviously there's a lot of conversations happening that just lead to the breakdown in this relationship. And we're going to talk more in a future episode about home and income properties and some of the pros and cons. And one of the cons of them, in my opinion, is that you know if you have, like we see a lot of home and income in, say, at Wellington, where maybe you live underneath and your tenants live above, and then the tenants start to be a bit rowdy or maybe they play their music at a time you don't want to hear them playing music. And all of a sudden... It can be, even though it's a really high yield, it can be a bit of a pain in the butt. And so all of a sudden now you've got an investment that's a real challenge and I'm big on investing and being a true investor, being as hands-off as possible and using a property manager. But one of my investors that I'm working with at the moment, he lives in a unit out the back of four other units, which he rents out. And he and I were talking the other day and I said, you know, are you going to sell those at some stage? Because, you know, they're all a bit run down and a bit of a pain. And he said, oh, he probably will. He just hasn't got around to it. And they are quite a hassle. And he said that, you know, two of the middle units have been squabbling and so they'll be out on the driveway arguing, upsetting everyone else and upsetting him and his wife and his kids. But you can't really do much about it. He's got to kind of go and be the mediator, tell these guys to grow up, but he's all involved in it and he's got to kind of play nice and you know, if they're leaving their garbage out, he goes and puts it in their rubbish bin rather than, you know, rely on them doing it or having a property manager tell them to because he doesn't want any animosity when he walks down the driveway of his own house. So you do have to consider these things if you are looking at a home and income and certainly in my opinion if you want to be a true investor if you want to get this right and you want to have the mental bandwidth to just keep growing a portfolio and focus on the things that matter in life rather than the laundry cupboard then get a property manager I do not disagree. Let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And if you want to learn more about property in person with Andrew and I, why not come along to our free in-person Property Academy live podcast recording session? We're coming to Wellington 
Christchurch and Auckland in mid-September, the 15th, 16th and 17th. And it's a completely free event where we're going to get to know you and you're going to get to know each other, all of the people who are listening to the show, which is going to be a really fantastic night to have this community of property investors and people who are interested in property investment here together. Now, I'm going to link to that. It'll be an epic night, won't it, Ed? It will be a truly epic night. And uh, if you'd like to come along to that, tap or swipe over the cover art. I'm going to drop a link in the show notes or just go to opuspartners.co.nz slash pod event. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.